It's Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. This episode is going to be a little different because it's not a lawyer that's a guest. And you may say to me, B.J., why did you invite her here? But I'm going to explain why. And who I have with me is actress and activist Frances Fisher. Welcome. (laughs) Thanks, PJ. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and tell you all now we are also friends. So uh, those are f- this may be a free-flowing conversation different from some of my other ones. And that's why I was saying people say, you know, you're talking about law, have a lot of lawyers on the show. Mm-hmm. But in the way the world is going now, the activists, the ones who are out front, um, whether they're marching or speaking and using the power of their recognition are the ones who are actually pushing laws to be changed. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. Well, I'm here at your service. So for our guests, you may know Frances because you can't see her right now since we're on a podcast. But you may know her from Titanic, Unforgiven, the ABC series Resurrection, and countless other programs. Yeah. And she is in Atlanta filming something that... We're going to look forward to because, wow, the we've well, got Don Johnson with you. My husband. Ah, <laughs> Regina King, Lou yeah. Gossett Jr. Uh-huh. So we're going to be tuning in to something to be named later. Yeah, it's uh, it's top secret right now, HBO. It's fantastic. I'm so happy to be back here in Atlanta. And uh, we were shooting really close to your house <clears throat> last night, right? So the last minute I'm like, BJ, I got to come spend the night. So we've had a good time, guys. We've had a lot of talking. (laughs) And so we're going to keep talking uh, today over a cup of tea like we always do. And, you know, how did you become such the activist that you are? I think it was a lack of roles that inspired me to work. And so I found that uh, with things the way they were going in the world the last few years, I found my passion in activism. I've always been active. I mean, I was marching for Planned Parenthood back in the 70s, and I remember going to Washington and, uh, you know, the ERA, which is which is right around the corner now. We just need to get North Carolina to approve the ERA, and it will Equal become, Rights Amendment yes, for equal, those, you know, because yes. it's been around for a long time. and Almost actually, 100 years, yeah. yeah. And it's not it's not there. It's not there yet. It's shocking. Most people don't even realize it, but uh, we have 37 states that have signed on, and if North Carolina signs on, it will be the 38th state, and it will become the law of the land. Equal rights. Equal rights for women. <laughs> Which... You know, especially in this era of Me Too, and we're going to talk about that because you have been very vocal, um, and a lot of friends of yours have been very vocal and directly Mm -hmm. affected Mm -hmm. um, by what precipitated this movement. But the fact that, you know, it is 2018, and it 
why it was ever so hard to pass an amendment to ensure that men and women are equal. Oh, I know. It's just, you know, well, it's the white patriarchal monarchy of this country. I mean, we're still fighting it, you know? Still fighting it. And you've been fighting it um, in different ways. I mean, besides speaking out, I think one of the things that people may not realize about you is how deep you dive. And I'm thinking about South Dakota and the pipeline. Mm. Yeah, and your I went time to Standing there. Rock uh, in 2016 and uh, because it had come to my attention because uh, Shailene Woodley and Josh Fox had done something in New York and I'm friends with them, so I saw that, and I go, what in the world is going on? I had no idea, because none of this is on the mainstream media. You have to dive deep, as you said, to even find it, like by going to Redacted Tonight, or The Young Turks, or um, The Jimmy Dore Show, people like that who are underground, who are actually giving us the news without any corporatocracy influence. Um, so I decided I would go out there and, um, I happened to have a two week window between two films that I was working on. One was in, in, in the deep South. And, uh, then I was going to go to, um, Canada and do the second film. And I had a two week window. So I figured, okay, I'll just fly up there and put myself on the ground and see what what's going on there really see it with my own eyes and I went there without knowing a soul and checked into the Prairie Nights Hotel and there was one kid on Inst uh, on Twitter that I had seen uh, in a picture with Mark Ruffalo who's a pal and I thought I'm gonna get in contact with this kid because he looks like he knows what he's doing and he met me at the hotel at like midnight I'd just gotten in and the next day, he took me on my first action. He says, we're not wasting any time. And uh, he showed me around the camp, and it was a life-changing experience. What, what, can you kind of give us a feel of the camp? What did it feel like, oh. smell like, look like? When we say well, an encampment, there were thousands of people thousands there. Thousands of people there, yeah. And, and the, the vibe was so beautiful. There was only one place uh, on the top of the hill, they called it Facebook Hill, where you could actually get reception. Otherwise, there was no reception in the camp, so you didn't have a cell phone. There was no way to get in touch with each other. So your intuition became very heightened. If you wanted to find somebody, all you had to do is think about them and then just walk one direction or the other, and then there they'd be. Um, teepees, trailers, tents, horses, dogs running around the streets there weren't streets there were just paths and it's like where is ed well you go down past the horse corral make a quick left <laughs> you'll see the white tent and right behind that you know past the 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 pile of logs is his place it was um it was life-changing in that i'd never heard people talk about prayer as much the native people, thank God, have their culture has survived, even though it's taken a beating because of the colonization and the schools that many children had to go to and they had to cut their hair and weren't allowed to use their language. They weren't allowed to, you know, sing their songs. But 
the culture <clears throat> of each tribe has survived. And to see all of these tribes coming together for the first time in hundreds of years, put aside all their differences, because everybody had different points of view about things way back when, um, it was a great gathering of all of the tribes who uh, came together to protect the water. Because they were at risk. They were at risk. Absolutely. It was a shared risk that brought disparate peoples together. Yeah. Yeah. Because there have been leaks of the pipeline, not just in South Dakota, but, you know, all over the country. Right. It was on the news. It was documented. There had been some other leaks. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it doesn't get reported because um, mainstream media is, you know, they they get their advertising dollars from the big corporations. If I recall looking at your social media around that time, there were some points of, you know, a lot of fear, a lot of potential violence. Um, what was oh, like, yeah. I mean, because, you know, in, in stereotyping, but you'd think, you know, that someone of your stature, you know, as an actress or, you know, and you may be an activist, but you're used to having, you know, nice things and be in nice places and studios put you up well. And then you're in the middle of this encampment where true danger was there. Well, the danger only came from the militarized police of Morton County. The uh, natives and the native allies there were living in peace. There were some infiltrators. There were people sent in to try to create chaos, and and they were soon escorted out. We Mm -hmm. had um, people guarding the entrances and exits, and um, but the the day that is lives on in infamy is November twentieth, twenty sixteen, when. my friend Lori Woodley and I were going to go to a two-spirit sweat um, because Native people honor LGBTQ wow. people. They're very highly honored. And so we were going to go to a sweat there. And somebody said, well, there's something happening on the bridge. Now, the bridge had been barricaded so that it was very difficult to get to Standing Rock. You had to go all the way around. You'd land in Bismarck, and even the rental car people would give you the wrong way to go. And then if you didn't know any better, you would end up getting really close to Standing Rock and and the camp, and then you'd see this bridge that was barricaded. You'd go back and go around. I mean, the stuff that they were doing was horrible. Anyway, we went on to the bridge, and that's when um, people who were on the front lines praying were hit with water cannons. And, and, and I'm just, we're sitting here together, and our audience can't see you. You literally have your hands up in the air as if almost oh. like a surrender sign. You're like hands up, you know. Yeah. Well, it's the same with Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Hands up. That's what you're doing Don't right shoot. as we talk. Yeah. Um. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, that's it's, that's it's okay. just striking because oh. you know what, and it's part of you is that it's the physicality of you, you know all of you goes into these things when you when when you feel and you protest. It was 
one of the most frightening experiences I've had, and I wasn't even on the front line because the front line, there was mace, freezing water because the temperature was around, I think it was about 20 degrees out. It was November. Susie Despot got hit in the eye with a rubber bullet, mm. calling them non-lethal. <laughs> a rubber bullet uh, can yeah, do a lot of damage. Absolutely. And it, and also Sophia Volansky had her arm blown apart. Um, they were the the natives and the allies uh, built fires because they were cold to warm themselves, and the militarized police would turn the hoses onto the fires to put them out. It was disgusting. They brought police in from about ten other states as training. This is what we found out afterwards. They were training the police how to fight um, uh, resistors of whatever. They called us eco-terrorists when in actuality the pipeline is creating the terror for Mother Earth and for all the people on it. Wow. Environmental causes have been a theme all the way along with you. I mean, mm. and we're going to talk about some of the other things you're interested in. But... Yeah, I'm on the board of the Environmental Media Association, and that our 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 job is to amplify what's going on in the world that is positive, and and all of the solutions to uh, this horrible way of life that we've all just adopted and think that it's okay. I mean, we cannot sustain this way of life. Um, there are so many people to follow. Josh Fox, one, uh, Moby. Um, I don't want to go into listing all my friends, but if you just look at what everyone is saying about the temperature of the earth, if we go up another half a degree, um, chaos will ensue. And I'm not trying to be dramatic about it. We've already seen this. what the superstorms do. Uh, it's been admitted now that over 4,000 people have died in Puerto Rico, uh, even though the government only reports like 64, but it's because of the lack of health facilities and electricity and medicines getting to people in time, food. It's over 4,000 people who have died. And it's a link, you know, and this all links to the environment and the then the laws that we do and don't have, mm. laws that we do and do not enforce, um, that, comp, you know, take the activism into the realm of the law, you know, and the enforcement and what the EPA does and doesn't do with regard mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. and what policies are being changed in, you know, with a change of administration oh in the God. government, we have a change in how things are being protected or not protected. Well, you know, this administration has uh, put into place the antithesis of every department as its head. I mean, Scott Pruitt, <laughs> don't even... Yeah, well, that... I'm biting my 
tongue she, right now. <laughs> she is. She is. I won't make you bite off your tongue. Have another sip of tea. We're having some lovely mm-hmm. tea. Um, and actually, this episode, everybody knows I have pick a different tea for a guest. And this one is Lotus Blossom Green Tea. Ooh. Um And I picked it because it symbolizes human consciousness. And, you know, when I think of you, you get powered up, like here already in our short conversation, and we've got more to go, (laughs) um, how how much you feel each thing that you're involved in. You know, you went to Standing Rock. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's 2016. With every march that has occurred that I can think of in the women's movement Mm -hmm. with gun violence, every single one of them, I can go to your social media and Francis Fisher is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had um, the first Me Too march uh, right after the H.W. story broke in the New York Times and Ronan Farrow's great article in the New Yorker, there's a group that I work with who are a lot of Bernie people because I was also a surrogate for Bernie. Bernie uh, Sanders, Bernie who Sanders. ran for president. <laughs> he did not win the Democratic nomination. Um, That's another story. Uh, different. Okay. okay you know what? There. I think actually instead of Law Talk with BJ, I'm going to start a new <laughs> thing just talking with Francis. Because as you all can already tell, um, and you know why she's a dear, engaging friend. So, But um, going to uh, me yeah. too. Uh, yes. So so March and Rally L.A., my my great allied friends, um, if if you if you're on Facebook and you want to know anything that's happening in Los Angeles and the surrounding areas, you, March and Rally L.A. will tell you everything. And we decided that we were going to organize a Me Too march. Uh, and it was up on Hollywood Boulevard and. We got to Ronna Burke. It's where I first met her when she first became public because dear Alyssa Milano had, do you remember that whole thing about hashtag me too? She had put it out there one night and said, does anybody have any stories? And the next day her- Exploded. It exploded. And she was gracious enough to honor that Tarana Burke had created hashtag Me Too ten years earlier, so they are allies. Obviously, we're all allies, and uh, we marched uh, down Hollywood Boulevard, and I uh, got to know Tarana. And also marching with us was Jasmine Canick, who is now leading the charge in L.A. to reform L.A. jails. Hashtag reform LA jails. We are gathering 170,000 signatures wow. to get it on the ballot in 2020 so that we can, instead of $3.5 billion going into building new jails in Los Angeles County, which is the highest, uh, uh, the, the highest incarceration rate per capita in the world. L.A. County. We do not want more jails. We want to reform the jails that are existing already, create programs, study recidivism, um, youth programs, mental health programs, you know, to, 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 to figure out because you can't just incarcerate people and throw away the key. Which is what we've done a lot of. Yeah. It's what we've done. And, and you know, as 
my um, those who listen that I've been a prosecutor and a criminal defense attorney for a very long time now, and I see the individual lives that are 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 affected. And I'll say this, you know, things are not good. But we have been talking about them in ways I never dreamed we would. You know, like here in Atlanta, ending ca- trying to end cash bail with the sit- municipal city courts of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you and I got a little wild one day here on the streets of Buckhead and were arrested, you know, somebody would bail us out with cash. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of folks, you know, the working poor, they don't have it. They're good people. And it could be something as small as a traffic offense mm-hmm. or jaywalking, and then you got to pay a hundred or two hundred dollars to get out. A hundred, two hundred dollars is a fortune. It's a fortune to poor people, and it's the system. You know, I read something. Uh, you know, I was at a rally that um, Sean King. For any of you who want to really follow an activist, Sean King, S H A U N K I N G. Sean King, Bernie Sanders. And Patrice Cullors, who uh, is one of the creators of the Black Lives Movement, were all on stage talking about justice reform. And, you know, how everybody always says the criminal justice system is broken. And Sean got up and said, you know what? We're calling it's the it's we're phrasing it wrong. It's not that the criminal justice system is broken. It was constructed this way. We need to reform the criminal justice system because it's always been bad. There's been a lot of abuses over the years and, um, you know, and there are different ways at it. I mean, obviously, the lawyer in me um, does what I do, which is go into court and fight for the individual and, you know, try to stop a conviction or raise an appeal or with one of my cases, you know, I did campaign with the legislature to try to change the statute that ultimately led to my client's freedom. Um, But that's not the norm. But again, it's going back to why I wanted you as a guest. It's an interesting line. Like me as a lawyer, when I look at these problems, someone will call me and say, oh, yeah, the law, you know, and I'll say, oh, the law is really bad on that. You know, it'll take years to change it. And yet it is the activists who are changing it at an incredibly quick rate compared to anything we've had before. Just like what you're saying, that they're pushing for reform and they're doing it in pushing our, the government officials, mm-hmm. you know, to say, hey, this is going to affect your vote. This is going to affect your bottom line. And that there are some progressive, I think, politicians on the local level who are willing to stick their neck out and say, you know what, I'm going to change that. Mm-hmm. You know, just even, again, the new mayor of Atlanta saying, you know what, she gets into office and the first thing she does, um, and there's a lot of issues here in Atlanta, is, you know, in cash bail. You know, it's a simple thing. So did that happen? Yes, it's I'll happened just, here. It, it, when did that happen? Right very as, recently. Very okay. recently. Yeah, because she so, just got elected. Right. Congratulations, madam. So, yeah. but, but, but it's, again, it's this dichotomy that why I wanted to explore this here is that, you know, law has that jury system and the courts and waiting for opinions. And yet there's making the laws and how the push of activists like yourself and others on all different topics creates movement that then reverberates all the way through the system. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, we've all, I think, 
uh, come to to believe that our elected are the ones that are doing it and it's not as as Bernie Sanders said it comes from the bottom up it comes from the people and the people the activists and you know the more the merrier come join us it's our voices that tell our electeds what we want and right and being heard because the other thing is and you know we can say what we don't we don't like about facebook or twitter or all the different me- methods of social media but i am still convinced that social media has given a voice to people we would not know of yeah in the same and, way and you know what's happening with net neutrality that was that's that a one. big shift and i don't know how how long it's going to take for people to really notice how slowed down everything is but i've already noticed stuff on my facebook i can't I can't put the 99 people I want to tag anymore. I've written to them. It's like, what's going on? I can only tag hmm. five people. It seems like a small thing, but it's the wearing away of our freedoms. It's eroding it slowly enough that maybe nobody's going to notice. That was what Hitler did. A little bit here, a little bit there. Let's take this away now. Nothing big, but when you lump it all together, all of a sudden you're realizing... I'm not free. And that's a whole lot to take in. And I think that's the only thing I worry about a little bit with what's going on is this overwhelm that it's like, oh, my gosh, every day. Like we were talking on the car, on the car ride in here today. You know, let's turn off the news for a little while. We just need a break (laughs) from the news. Um, And yet we need to remain informed, although there's a way to try to balance that flow of information because, Mm -hmm. you know, being digitally connected all the time creates a whole host of issues. Um, But how can we be engaged, be on the ground floor and do something and yet um, not lose our day-to-day humanity that makes us who we are, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It's definitely a balance. I know when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is thank God I'm alive and say my prayers, do a little meditation, and just envision what the day is going to be. Send love to all the people I think about and who I might be meeting that day, and um, to realize that um, as bad as it is, everybody's doing their part. We're on on this spiritual plane, even the administration. I'm not going to say his name. He has activated so many people who may have stayed asleep so this is a great awakening that's happening in our country and in the world. With all the terrible things going on, we have to be vigilant to take care of ourselves, rest when we have to, and uh, you know, live to fight or resist or create another day. It's funny that I said the word resist because it's become part of the consciousness. And I realized that you know, the saying, what you resist persists. So I'm trying to take resist out of my language. <laughs> I just said it. Oh, God, oh, I've been brainwashed. It, but I think we're reconnecting to maybe what the founders felt, hopefully, a long time ago when they said, hey, we're going to create the United States of America. 
We're going to create a place where people can, you know, it wasn't perfect, obviously. Oh, my but, God, yeah. But, but, but that philosophy or at least the things that you and I learned in second grade and third grade and the great things of freedom and believing in that and that, you know, I think as a child, you know, what led me to wanting to be a lawyer and for, to you to become an activist, you know, those were lessons we were given in the schools they by our families. Yeah, and they don't teach civics anymore, which is another thing that's like shocking to me that, you know, that's not part of the curriculum anymore. And if you don't understand how your government works and what your history is, you know, I just learned about the Tulsa riots from this project, this secret project on HBO. There we go. That's, we're getting uh, a plug in before we wind down. Are we already winding down? We are down? winding down from this end, but we're gonna, I'm going to have you back. But, you know, I know it's fun, isn't it? Just to really talk and think. And I can't thank you enough for doing this. Well, you know, one of my friends has said I, they, the burnout. The burnout is really important. First of all, to be angry doesn't help. It puts you in the dirt with everybody else. It's like you have to take that anger and channel it into positive action. As I said, um, you organize, you execute, you celebrate, and you rest. And then you repeat. know, and you listen and know the law, and we're going to clink glasses. Our uh, law talk with BJ Muggs. I did pick the perfect tea, human consciousness, that mm. describes your concerns. It's delicious, isn't it? Oh, BJ. And, you know, and just to take a moment, I think the other part of it is just to take a moment and appreciate who you know and where you've come, and then we have a chance to move it forward. L'chaim, as my people would say. <laughs> Thanks for joining us in Law Talk. Water is life. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract. It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire.